Hello and welcome back to the B-Movie Podcast, the podcast where we watch B-Movies. You know those $5 bins, straight to DVD, who are these actors and why did they make these kind of B-Movies? Every week we watch a bad film, then we summarize it, review it, grade it, and then answer the absolutely needless question that nobody asks. Is this better or worse than the B-Movie with Jerry Seinfeld? But before we get to the bulk of our episode, I want you to make sure that you are subscribed to wherever podcasts are found so you can get those episodes new, hot off the press when we drop them. And while you're there, uh, and if you feel so inclined, leave us a review. And if you leave a five-star review, I'll gladly read it on the air. Also, be sure to follow us on social media. You can find us on Facebook at the B-Movie Podcast, the letter B. You can find us on Instagram at the B-Movie Podcast. Again, the letter B, and on Twitter at the B Movie Pod. Again, the letter B. But joining me today is a very special B Movie Podcast guest, my wife Caitlin. Caitlin, welcome back to the show. Hi, everybody. I'm back. Yes, you're back, and the podcast is back. You yes, know, welcome it, back. It has been a while, and I I see it very fitting that you were on the first episode of the B Movie with Jerry Seinfeld. And uh, now you're here for this film today to kind of relaunch us into this year. So thank you. Thank you for being on. Thank you for having me. And thank you for letting me review this specific movie. Because I just had to ask the question. Is this better or worse well, than I, the Well, I think if anyone can tell us, it'd be you. Before we get to that, I just wanted to say uh, it has been a wild ride this last year. I don't think 2020 was really anybody's year. Uh, if you had a stellar 2020, do, do us all a favor and just keep it to yourself, because I don't think a lot of us did. You know, we, we lost uh, some momentum here at the B-Movie Podcast. But we, we don't are... want to be bummers. You know, if you no. did have a good, a good yeah. thing happen last year, you great. Know, that's great. I'm glad so something did for happen you. for you. Um, but yeah, 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 it's been a busy year. Uh, you know, we've been going through a lot more things than just COVID. So. Yeah. And we moved and, and changed careers and did a lot of good stuff. But today, we are back. And we are so glad to be back. And uh, we hope that you were glad that we are back, too. But, uh, Caitlin, what movie are we reviewing today? We are reviewing the movie based on the novel Inkheart. Inkheart by Cornelia Funk. What a movie it is. And, and Caitlin, tell us why we're doing this movie in well, Jeremiah, you decided to start reading aloud to me. Yes, and I did. To start doing that, you decided to read Inkheart. So, which, um, if you've read the novels, I think you will find is terribly clever. Yeah, I thought it was. Um, you know, I didn't know going into it. You know, that there the, was that, but I, I yeah. thought it was genius. Not, not to toot my own horn, but uh, ooh, ooh. <laughs> yeah, just a little bit. So I read you this book, and then uh, I told you, I don't know if it was after or during, that there was this movie, and you were really oh, I knew, excited. No, I knew. I thought I oh, that's you right. beforehand that I'd watched it, but I hadn't remembered it. That's right. I watched it a long it was like a time fever ago. And it, yeah, yeah, seriously. Because I remember the star-studded cast. I right. remember 
it being a little out there. Yes. But also feeling rushed. Yeah, I'd give you that. But, again, I was really young and right. didn't have anything to compare it to. I hadn't read the book. Right. So then the book being fresh in my mind and having then seen the movie right after. Clearly, that, clearly a disappointment and, because yeah. most most film adaptations are not true to the intellectual source material. Um, but the specifics of what happens, well, we'll get into that later. Yeah, we'll, we'll get into that later. It's but a fun discussion. It is a fun discussion. And, you know, I read this book uh, in probably grade school or high school, and then I saw the movie, and then I got to read it again, and I got to see the movie again, and it was just as good the second time uh, the book was. And so, uh, you know, you said this earlier when we were talking off the air, but, you know, if you are interested in reading these novels, um, do yourself a favor and just go listen to a different B-Movie podcast episode. We've got uh, quite a few others to choose from. I recommend uh, the one right before this, uh, The Adventures of Sherlock Holmes' Smarter Brother. Uh, that was a fun one. But if you are interested in reading these novels, don't watch this movie. Uh, go and read the book first, and you'll mm -hmm. find it's a gripping read. But uh, save yourself the trouble, and then then watch the movie, and then listen to the episode. And we highly recommend the book. We can. We do. It's a great book. Cornelia yeah. Funk. We're going to talk about her later. But so let, let let's talk about this film here. This film opens by. Is it a text based can, opening? Mean, can, I, can I say this? Sure. This is something that we would probably, probably normally put in the cookies later, but I feel it's worth noting mm -hmm. that the beginning of this movie ruins the biggest surprise. Uh, yes. Yes, so it does. Because it, it opens, opens yeah. with a, I believe, is a text-based uh, narration, maybe, of the explanation of people known as silver tongues who have the innate ability to lure things and people uh, out of stories. By reading. By reading. By reading aloud. And so the story opens with Mortimer, who's Mo, a uh, full chart, played by Brendan Fraser, uh, and his wife, Teresa, who goes by Risa, a uh, full chart, who's played by Sienna Guillory, read the fairy tale Little Red Riding Hood. And as Mo is reading, a red hood floats out of the sky and lands on the clothesline. And, um, you know, they're, they're reading this to their child, Maggie. And so then what's really interesting is that it cuts to 12 years later. So you see them read, you see Mo reading aloud from Little Red Riding Hood with Maggie as a little tiny baby, a little toddler, maybe two. And then fast forward 12 years later. So 12 years later, we find Mo and his daughter, uh, Maggie, who is played by, who is that, Kaylee? Eliza Bennett. Eliza Bennett. Um, we find them visiting an old bookshop in Europe. Presumably, was it Italy at this point? I don't know where it was, but I think it was um, somewhere. they're visiting the bookshop, and Mo finds the book. Mo finds the book. You know, the he's, book. He's on a hunt, and Maggie's noticed that every time he goes into a bookstore, he always checks to see if they have this one book. And when oh. he walks in, he hears it whisper to him, and he finds... Inkheart. We also forgot to mention that what he does for Yes, Mo is a book binder. He repairs books. 
he gives them new bindings or puts new clothes on them, as Maggie likes to say. So Maggie and him traveling around a lot and going to all these bookstores is not, you know, abnormal. No, nope, not, nothing you know, new. It's for his job, but Maggie yep. does notice he's always looking for this one book and he can never find it. And, and in now... this particular shop, he finds it. And so while Mo is inside purchasing this book, uh, Maggie is outside at the fountain uh, picking through some books, and she sees a Martin. And a Martin is a um, like a ferret or it's like a weasel. A weasel it's in yeah. the weasel family, but this one has um, horns. Little mutant, little little mutant horns. You know, Maggie is really astounded by this because she's never seen a ferret. Or, or a weasel with horns before. So she tries to pet it naturally, and it, it, it goes to bite her. And then uh, it runs over to a man uh, who's just kind of standing there, and he engages in conversation. This man with three scars on his face, right, wearing a lot of leather, if we're being honest. Right? Where's wears kind of a bit of leather. Well, I guess he wears that shirt and that leather and, jacket. And, well, if you're... a Girl her age at this point, you're like, okay, stranger danger. But if you're, right. but if you're Jeremiah or you're Caitlin, you're saying, Paul Bettany, what are you doing yeah, here? Yeah, you're saying, Paul Bettany, Vision, where did you fall out Why of the sky? Why you got scars from? on your face? Why are you wearing yeah. all this leather? What right. Are you so, doing here? so Paul Bettany comes out of the shadows and claims to be Moe's friend, and Moe sees him, and it, it's not a good exchange, um, because Paul Bettany, who we come to know as, as the man Dustfinger, starts to plead with Mo to do what, Caitlin? To get him back in the book. To read him back in. Get him back in he, wants to, he wants to go back into his book, which mm. is a very strange thing to say to a stranger, unless we know in the first scene of the film uh, what Mo can do. So there's right. no surprise here. Like, but, like We digress, but... Yeah. but Mo, you know, Mo obviously doesn't want to be accosted by this man, and so and he, he just wants and, to get him and his daughter safe yep. out of there. So he and Maggie decide, let's go visit some family, which is kind of unorthodox, to be honest with you, because they don't really visit family ever since Maggie's mother mysteriously disappeared. But right? regardless, they go visit their we all know where great, this is going. Great aunt Eleanor. Yes, played by Eleanor. Helen, Helen Mirren. Helen Mirren, Dame Helen Mirren, which means she's been knighted by the Queen. Oh. Star of stage and screen, Helen Mirren. She's great. She's great. So they go to southern Italy to her huge house. It's beautiful, um, beautiful home, beautiful house, countryside. It's a, it's a mansion. We never know what Eleanor did for a living, but her father was rich. So also she, loved books, but yeah. but that's and her Herod. thing. Books. Books are her children. There's floor-to-ceiling um, bookshelves. There's books of all shapes and sizes. Books that are worth fortunes upon fortunes. Some who have found the way into her library, maybe illegally, but um, she she is just a book fiend, a book worm. And so Mo has come to Eleanor because obviously they can stay there for a while while Mo does work for Eleanor. So you know, mutually beneficial uh, relationship here. And Until, we get to know her a little bit, and, yeah. um, you know, they're having brunch or something. She makes an off-handed right. comment about her missing mother. So Maggie 
naturally is asking more questions about, you know, where's my mom? What, you know, what's going on? Why are, why are things so weird? Why was that guy asking you to read in, right. into a book? And right. finally, it Mo all comes her some truth. Well, that that he can that he can read things, you know, read things in and out that he's had this gift from birth. But it all comes crashing down, literally, because some people crash the party. And so we see these men... on what he says to her, though. You're, you're, you're passing it. He tells her, I, you know, I, I did read Dustinger out of the book. I, I don't think he says it. He doesn't? No, because he explains it to him in prison, doesn't he? That's in the book. Okay. Well, yes. He explains that he inadvertently freed... Uh, some people from this book, Inkheart. Mm -hmm. And he released some uh, bad man Janus by the name of Capricorn, who is played by the man, the myth, the legend, Andy Serkis. He's played by Andy Serkis, who you know uh, better as Gollum in Lord of the Rings, the, the, the king of motion capture. He's just, uh, he's amazing. We'll talk about the cast more of them later, but he frees Capricorn, who's just one bad mammogen. I think Al Capone in medieval times, like um, like a warlord. And uh, one of his henchmen, Basta, who's played by Jamie Foreman. I don't know what else. But he's good. But they were freed along with Dustfinger. And lo and behold, who was missing but <gasps> Maggie's mother, Teresa, and two cats. So three people came out of Inkheart, and three living things went in. And that's why it's important to him to get this book, right. so maybe he can figure out one day yeah. Until the magic all... formula to get them switched, but right. then it all comes to a crash and halt, like you were yes, saying. Yes, because these men show up. But it's not just Basta who shows up, who Mo read out of the book. He shows up with these other henchmen, and these other henchmen look a little off. Because we have Cockerel, who looks like uh, a rooster. And we have flat nose, but what's wrong with them, Caitlin? They they look not only like smashed up, not right, but they had been tattooed with parts of books. Right. So they 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 got text all over their bodies. You know, you're you're starting to think maybe these guys came out of the book, but not so right. Yeah, something quite right. So anyway, they come for them. They for all of them. Eleanor's house. They, they rip up all these house. books, and they take the book in cards. And they take Mo and Maggie and Eleanor. And you come to find out that the reason that they are there is because they were sold out by none other than Dustfinger. Because Dustfinger wants to be read back into his book. That's all he wants. That's all he wants. And he's going to get that any way possible. And if Mo won't give it to him voluntarily, then he's just going to have to team up with Capricorn, right? That's apparently the next logical solution for our friend Dustfinger. He's a very flawed character. For those of you who like flawed characters, um, who's another flawed character people like? The flawed, Loki. flawed, yeah, Loki, yes. If you like the Lokis of the world, you'll probably love Dustfinger because he's just, he's not evil, but he's just a coward. Just a, just not a good guy. So they are all taken to Capricorn's new castle in the real world in southern Italy. Apparently it's been mm -hmm. abandoned, or he kicked people out. And they walk through with the holding cells, right? And they see what? They see the crocodile from Peter Pan. They hear it ticking. Mm -hmm. 
they see a minotaur. They see, um, what else? I can't remember all the creatures they see, but this it was is a, a very notable difference from the book, right. because the book, it didn't have any of these things. No, but, these but there's this, like, little menagerie of creatures from fiction. Yeah, and they come into play right. later. And so, but they get there, and they realize they're, they're brought before Capricorn, and this is bad, because Capricorn's a bad man of Jamie, and now, now he has Mo. And now he has Inkheart. And this isn't good, because mm-hmm. Capricorn's clearly got an agenda, and he wants Mo to read treasure out of a book from him, for him. And so he makes him read from a thousand and one Arabian Nights. And how did that go? Um, so everyone's in awe also. Like, he's a very good orator, um, and so... Yeah, I think that Maggie, Maggie kind of described it in the book as, how did she describe it? It's like, like his voice is luring. It, yeah. It's calling to these characters in these books. It's, it's, it's really giving life to, to these the world. And right? you know, you've probably heard people. It's transporting like you there, right? You, so, you forget that you're in reality. All of this is allegory people, for falling in love with reading. Yeah. All and, of this is. So all of these people, you kind of see they're kind of entranced. Mm-hmm. You begin to notice that the light in the room kind of changes. It, go, it gets warmer. Uh-huh. There's and sand spewing sand about. comes around, and then all of a sudden, clink, 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 a lot of it's treasure Treasure shows up. But then they notice somebody from their gone. ranks is, has disappeared, and, and somebody has not shown only, up. Yeah, not only did they get treasure, but someone has shown up, and that someone is Farid who is one of the 40 thieves. And he's just a young boy. Right. And, and he's, he's scared yeah, out of his wits. He thinks this is a dream. He's trying to wake up the whole time. Very sad. So then after this show from Mo, Dustfinger says, it's my turn. It's my turn, Capricorn. And I want to go back into the book. And but, Capricorn says, nope. Right. Capricorn's a bad mamma jamma. Dustfinger, you knew this. You knew this in your world, that Capricorn was not someone to be trusted. And yet you decided to throw your lot in with him. So it should not surprise you when Capricorn does not give you what you want and instead decides to burn the copy of Inkheart that, that Mo had found. Uh, you find out a little later or now or whenever that he's been burning copies of Inkheart because he never wants to go back in. He loves this world too much. This world is so accommodating for violence and crime and an immoral activity, and so he wants to stay in this world. Well, this causes Dustfinger, obviously, to be uh, a little uh, hurt, wouldn't you say? Yeah, like, he knows he's certainly brought in with bad people, and... It's just a flawed character. But he's desperate. Right, and so, now that Capricorn won't force Mo to try it, he decides that he will just have to let Mo free. And maybe, maybe Mo can figure out how to put him back in the book a little later. And so he comes to their their cell in that little menagerie stable. And uh, Mo is telling um, Eleanor and Maggie, he's explaining you know, all of his gifts and how long he's been able to yeah, do it. Before this or after this, that yeah. he does that. At one point in time, he explains that he's had this gift from birth. At another point in time, he explains that Teresa was read into the book. Yeah. yeah. So, um, 
the dust finger comes and he has a copy of a book that belonged to Teresa uh, of The Wonderful Wizard of Oz by L. Frank Baum. And uh, he says, I think this storm ought to do it to get us out of here. So they, they decide that they're going to read the tornado, the twister, out of The Wizard of Oz to provide cover enough for them to escape. So they do, and Mo begins to read, and uh, this tornado shows up, and, and kind of all heck breaks loose. And so they're going to escape, right? But at this moment, we realize that someone is, is, is around looking for Mo. Um, there is this cook, this, this, this serving woman in the kitchen that attends the Dustfinger's burns, because Capricorn burns the copy of the ink heart, Dustfinger tries to sit, obviously burns his hands, and has to go get tended to. And he gets tended to by this woman who is very interested in Mo and Maggie, who uh, is stuck in this compound serving Capricorn, and she has no voice. Well, you realize that she's a product of um, Darius, who is Capricorn's other reader. And Darius has a stutter, and so he can't, he can't read people fully out like Mo can. So they come out all, all, all smashed and misshapen, or they come out with words on them, or they come out with sound points. And so they're escaping under the threat of tornado, and who is desperately trying to get their attention but this serving woman that they don't see. Yeah, but Dustfinger sees her. And then doesn't do anything about it. And does nothing. Does nothing. You're so betrayed. You feel so betrayed by Dustfinger. Because he's betrayed them. He betrayed them to get them there. He let them free. But then he betrayed this woman who he, he made a promise to that he would help. It's just awful. They all escape the compound. And they decide that Eleanor is going to go home to try to recover what's left of her library. And she tells um, Mo that she has some information for him. And what is that information, Caitlin? Um, that she knows where the author is. The author right? of Inkheart. And she knows that he lives close by. She has an address. And um, she thinks he might have a copy. Well, if anyone's going to have a copy of a it's book, it's probably him. the author. So... so they decide that they're going to go see Fenoglio. Well, Dustfinger is really afraid of going to see the author. You know, he doesn't he doesn't want to go and meet the author because he's afraid um, that he'll learn how his story ends. And he doesn't want to know how his story ends because would you want to know how your story ends? I get it, Paul Bettany, I get it. And so they head to, they head to uh, Alasio, which is the town that Fenoglio lives in. They, they go and knock on their door, on, on his door, Mo and Maggie do, and uh, Finoglio is played by none other than Jim Broadbent, who uh, you might know as Horace Slughorn from Harry Potter. And he's got uh, what looks like cake batter on his fingers, and you know they, he thinks they want an autograph, but they don't want an autograph. They, they want to tell him their story, and, and he says, I can see something you know cooking in your eyes, spit it out, what's going on? And and they said, you won't believe us if we try. And, and he said, uh, he goes, I, I love a good story anyway. So they tell him everything. And uh, he doesn't believe them. And so Mo says, well, 
Dustfinger's in the plaza. You could go and see Dustfinger. That's the proof that Mo has that his story is true, is to see Dustfinger. So Finoglio decides that he's gonna, he wants to go see his creation. He's a creator and an author, and then Dustfinger is out of his own head, and he wants to see if he lives up to what he, what he thought he was. And um, he goes out into the um, plaza and sees him. And Finoglio spills the beans. Like, his, his worst fear occurs because Finoglio can't help oh, but be enraptured. Oh, he tells enraptured. the end of his story. Right. The one thing he didn't want to right. know. And, and so that's not good. So they all, that, that really puts Dustfinger. Well, finger. what's the end of his story, Jeremiah? Well, he dies trying to save his Martin Gwyn. Um, he had tried to save it from Capricorn's men. And in the book, he dies trying to save the ferret. And so, um, angry, he berates Finoglio before eventually telling Mo a little vital bit of information that Risa, his wife, who had been trapped in Inkheart, is not trapped in Inkheart anymore, but rather that he, she's trapped in Capricorn's castle as a serving woman. Big, big difference from the book. This never happened in the right. book. But Dustfinger was mad because uh, he wanted to go back in his book. And um, and now that Finoglio doesn't have a copy, because it turns out Capricorn's men has been stealing them, he tells him that they have to go back. They have to go back for Risa. And so Mo and Dustfinger take Finoglio's car, and Farid stows away in the trunk. And they're going to go to Capricorn's castle and try to bust Risa out. Meanwhile, Maggie is at Finoglio's house, and Maggie is upstairs doing an experiment, right, Caitlin? Is she or is she just reading? Like, she, for a while now, hasn't she said, oh, I wish I could have the gift my father right. has? The whole audience is saying, no, you don't. No, you don't. This is a curse. But anyway, she's reading from... She's reading from The Wizard of Oz. Again, right. And who should stroll out of the pages? None other than... Toto. Toto, who is Poor not in Kansas Toto. anymore. Yeah. So Toto comes out of the book, and she realizes that she can do it, too. And so... And then who else uh, shows up yeah, out of at nowhere? At this moment, Basta bursts in with his men to kidnap Finoglio, because they're hot on the trail of Mo and Dustfinger, and they kidnap Meggie uh, to get Mo, and they realize that they don't need Mo, because Meggie can do all the reading uh, just as good as Mo can. And so they're back on their way to the castle. So it's kind of funny because Mo and Dustfinger and Farid are on their way to the castle. And Meggie and Finoglio are on their way to the castle. So who's left out but Eleanor? Well, Eleanor, having decided to stay at her home, realizes that something is amiss and pursues them. So she decides that she is going to get on basically a moped. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and drive to Capricorn's castle and not really know what to do. But she's going to try to help save the day. So at the castle, Capricorn orders Maggie to read an old friend out of Inkheart for him, right? Yeah. This old friend is not a normal old friend like Basta or Flatnose. No. This is uh, not even more, of a, more of an ethereal being, more mm -hmm. like a ghost or a phantom. It is called the Shadow. Like, think probably like... Not Dementor, but like... Kind of like Dementor meets a Balrog. Yeah. It basically just turns people to ash and consumes their souls. And in Inkheart, 
Yeah, no big deal. In Inkheart, <laughs> Basically, uh, Capricorn like controls the shadow. It's his hired gun. It's his henchman. It's this magical being that he had created to serve him and him alone. So he wants Maggie to read him out so he can basically take over the world. And he, he threatens to harm none other than Risa because they figured out, because they were sharing a longing look as Risa was trapped in a net dangling from above. Yeah, which she was being punished for betraying people but for Dustfinger, yeah, right? Yeah, Dustfinger. They got caught and, and then... It's just, it's all, it all goes to pot. So she she is caught, and then Maggie has no other choice. They're working really hard to figure out what to do, because they, they can't read the shadow out. So Finoglio gets this idea. Flatnose actually asks Finoglio, do you think you could change things? You know, now that they're out, could you could you make me prettier? And he plants this idea in his head that maybe I could, maybe I could change it. So Finoglio thinks that maybe if he could write the perfect ending, that the shadow could, you know, save the day instead of kill them all. And so they, they try to work on this, but at the same time, Mo sneaks into the castle and Dustfinger is captured, but escapes after Meggie informs him of Capricorn's intention. Everyone is basically being captured or trying to not be captured. And so at the same time, Mo uh, attempts to free Maggie and the others as Capricorn forces her to bring the shadow out of the book. Some people are setting a distraction. Right. Like Dustfinger and Farid are setting a fire. Uh, the distraction allows for Finoglio to give Toto a rewrite that he made. They're basically out on like a football field. They're like in the movie. They're not in a football field. In the movie, they're like in... It's like probably where you'd see a small show being, you know, like happening happening for, for the king. Like a very right. small amphitheater is exactly what it is. Right. And so there's several plans happening all at once because she and Finoglio have planned this rewrite ordeal. Mo is trying to spring her from the situation. Farid and Dustfinger are lighting a fire in Capricorn's castle. And Eleanor has decided to do what, Caitlin? Well, she arrives, and doesn't she... She gets the other reader, what's his name again? Darius. She gets Darius and says, you know, you want to get out of here? You right. want to live? Do, yeah, do you're you want to be a hero you're gonna help today? Me. Yeah. yeah, is that what she says? Uh, that's a good. That's a good line. But they get all of those magical creatures we mentioned earlier from the prison mm -hmm. area. They get all of them freed. together and freed, and they're they're gonna they're going to storm the castle and storm this plaza open area. So, but all, all of this is happening simultaneously, and Maggie runs out of things to read because the 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 page, note is only so long, right? Well, and the and the right, it's only so long, but they've casually dropped. That Maggie wants to be a writer when she grows up, like three times in this film. So Maggie naturally just decides that she has to write the rest of the story out on her arm. So she just starts writing the rest, yep. you know, as she's talking, she's writing, she's talking right. and telling the story and is basically giving everybody their happy ending. Yep. And as she reads out her creation, Capricorn's turns into ashes. As the shadow devours him, his henchmen vanish, the shadow explodes, and all of the red-out creatures are returned back to where they belong, uh, including Toto. 
and in addition, she grants Fenoglio's wish to live in the world he created, while reuniting her and Mo with her mother and restoring her voice. So Dustfinger is also safely read back in after all of this happens. Mo agrees to try, and it happens, it works, which is actually kind of crazy because Mo has been going on and on and on and on and on about how he doesn't think it's going to work this whole time. And the first try, he reads him back in, and Dustfinger's reunited with his wife, Roxanne. And in the real world, Fareed realizes something has changed. What changed, Caitlin? He didn't take... Gwen with him. Didn't take right? Gwen. Didn't have that the weasel. That was changed, yeah. And so Dustfinger's not going to die because Fareed kept the weasel out in this world. And as Mo and his family leave with Fareed, Maggie agrees to teach him how to read while Fareed agrees to teach her how to use the dragon breath, the fire-breathing ability of Dustfinger's, which Fareed learned. End of story. And they all lived happily ever after. Except for us. And I apologize if that summary was a little messy. It's because the film is a little messy. But before I jump into how messy it is with the buzz, I want to highlight this cast first, okay? Let's talk about this cast, Caitlin. Who's playing Mo? Okay, so we got Brendan Fraser. Okay, Brendan Fraser. And what's he in? He's in The Mummy, George of the Jungle, Encino Man, Looney Tunes, Back in Action, Blast from the Past, and Doom Patrol, the Which TV is that, show. that newer TV show, right? Yeah. He's kind of staging a comeback. And, and then who we've got as Maggie? Um, she was in Tor- or she was Tora in Nanny McPhee. I don't remember her. Eliza in Bennett. I didn't either. I, I don't think she had a big role. She might have been really young. Um, but Paul Bettany, who played Jarvis and Vision in... Well, he's Dustfinger. But he uh, played Jarvis and Vision in Marvel Cinematic Universe he stuff. He was Jeffrey Chaucer in one of my favorites, A Knight's Tale. Yeah, and then Dryden... And also Dryden Voss. Dryden Voss in, in, in Solo, a Star Wars story. And then we have Helen Mirren. Helen Mirren, Dame Helen Mirren. Star of stage and screen as Eleanor Loredan. She's been knighted by the Queen of England for her acting. She was in, she was in Red... Red and Red 2 with uh, Bruce Willis. She was um, in Arthur with Russell Brand. And she's just absolutely amazing. And then, of course, we have Andy Serkis, Andy Serkis. as Capricorn. Are you who... hearing this cast? Listen to this cast. Brendan Fraser, Paul Bettany, Helen Mirren, Andy Serkis, who is Gollum, the king of stop motion film. Or and stop you... motion capture, not stop motion. Motion capture. And you just told me this earlier, but he would, I didn't know that he was Kong in King he Kong. He was King Kong. Peter Jackson did a King Kong movie, and he did all of the motion capture for, for King Kong in that movie. He's amazing. And he was, the, he was the boss in 13 going on 30. Yes. I always thought that was funny. Yes. And then, um, and then we have Jim Broadbent as Finoglio. We have Horace Slughorn as Finoglio. He is, he is notable. He's Horace Slughorn in Harry Potter, Harold Zidler in Moulin Rouge. And did you know this? Did you know this one? He's Professor Kirk in The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Oh, that's cool. He is the, the old professor. I didn't realize that. Until I just saw this on Wikipedia. And then uh, the lady that plays Risa. I had not seen her in anything else. Okay. But Sienna Guillory. Guillory. Um, but she's Jill Valentine in Resident Evil, okay, apparently. Yes. Huh. Jill Valentine in the Resident Evil series. This is the gal. She's she's awesome. And in that role, people liked her as Jill Valentine. They thought she was really greatly cast. 
but she was also Arya Dottingdrew in Aragon, the Aragon oh. film, which this gal is like two for two when it comes to movie adaptations based off of books because she's in Inkheart and she's also in Aragon. Two, which, two, not well. To be reviewed later. I don't think I don't think Inkheart is reviled. It's probably not liked as much, but Aragon. It's not revered. Aragon is reviled. It is an awful. It goes down like the worst, the worst ever. But here's something that was interesting to me. Sienna Guillory explained that she became an actor because she wanted to know what it was like to be other people, possibly because she didn't know herself. But later she said, I hate acting, really hate it, and I fell into it kind of sideways. She started acting because she got a job when she was 16, and they wanted to pay her 8,000 pounds, and she'd always lived on family support. And so she decided to go into this, this acting job, and she went on to say that her frustration with later film roles left her bitter. And she was thinking of quitting acting. But then she went and saw a play that Helen Mirren was in and was inspired to continue acting after seeing Helen Mirren on stage. Isn't that cool? Huh. That's a really cool little piece of And then she got trivia. to be in a movie with her. She got to be in a movie with Helen Mirren, who was kind of her inspiration. Okay, now the plot thickens, Caitlin. Are you ready for this? I don't think uh, you're ready for this. I don't think I am. Okay, so this book was written by Cornelia Funk, uh-huh. who is acclaimed to be like the German J.K. Rowling. Sure. She's written a lot of awesome stuff. She actually began her career as a social worker. Oh. I found that out today. Shout out to my social worker friends. Right. All you in social work out there. Thank you for what you do. Uh, But she's now turned an author. And did you know that shortly after the novel was published, Cornelia Funk sent a copy of Inkheart along with a note to Brendan Fraser explaining that he was the inspiration for the character Mo. So that's why you were like, he's perfect, he's perfect. You don't and I was even like, know. I didn't even see He was that. literally the perfect casting because he was literally the inspiration for the character. So. That's crazy. So there's I, this. Well, I have questions now. Well, Did she this, have any there's part this, in. Oh yeah, there's this quote. Let me read this quote. He says, so I get this book. It shows up in the mail. Dear Brendan, it's inscribed. Thank you for inspiring this character. And I can feel my leg getting pulled already. What? Where's Ashton Kutcher? You know, I'm on punk. And it wow. said, it said, I hope you get a chance to read this aloud to your kids one day. Best wishes, Cornelia Funk. And he says, I had no idea from a bar of soap who she was, so I googled her. And wow, so much work. She's, she's prolific. And he says, I think part of the story is that a little girl who was bilingual, I think she was uh, British, but she spoke German fluently, had a copy of Inkhart, which she loved and read, and wrote to either, uh, it was Cornelia or the publishers, and asked, why isn't this book published in English? And so then that's when they published the book in English. And he says, I think Cornelia probably wanted to know the answer to that question, too. So once it was, it just became a snowballing thing and that really got her out here and led to the acclaim and the popularity of her work. Then Inkheart was translated into English and then the film rights were picked up and then they were making a film and she was a producer on it. And I think she had some say in the script. She got to, to go over some of the script. And I actually read an interview with Cornelia that said that, you know, she she didn't hate the movie. You know, it's different because you have to tell the whole story in two hours. 
But how crazy is that? That Brendan Fraser was the inspiration for Mo. I can't believe that. But I mean, I do. It's just, wow. You heard it here first, folks. Well, I'm hearing it here first. Right. I've known this for a while. And you're just now sharing it with me. Yeah. Well, that, this is yeah. how uh, we get the movie magic this on is, the podcast. This is Genuine live. Reactions. That like, was not I, scripted. I did not see Mo that way, but now I, I don't think I can see him another way. Right. So so what happened with this film, Caitlin? Because with a star-studded cast like all of the people I just talked about, you would think that this film would be awesome. It just needed another hour, I think. I don't I think know. It needed or it needed another writer, like an, it another some cuts. editor. I don't know. There were things that made the book so unique to me, made it so special, that the movie either it didn't include or it just kind of pooped on. The biggest thing, which I mentioned earlier, was that you didn't know for a good period of the beginning of the book what like was going on. Like a third of the book. It was a you big don't minis- know. It, it was a big mystery yes. and that was a great part of the writing for that. Yes, you don't know that Mo has this power and you don't know that Maggie's mom was read into the book Additionally, until a third of the way through. It's addi- a surprise. It's a twist. Additionally, the ending of the book... I mean, led to another two books, which I haven't read yet, but I'm right. very excited to. But the movie um, didn't. The but movie the movie t- tied it had, all up. To, had to tie it all up, give it a happy ending. But the beauty of the ending of the book, I mean, you can only really get from the book. But I, I don't I don't even want to get into that because I don't want to ruin the book for some no, of these can. people. you can. We've already given who, the disclaimer. I mean, okay, so. There's so many different things. Finoglio kind of at the end, similarly to the ending that they created, was read into his own book, but in right. the book, he he was one of the exchanged, if you want to call it that. You know, there right. were he was the one that went in when everyone else and did that too. to me felt more uh, organic, more right. appropriate because they felt sad at his leaving, but they realized it probably was what he would have wanted anyway. I mean, he had said earlier that he thought it would be great to live in his yeah, world. He'd love to see it. Yeah, there were just a lot. Well, well, okay, I won't even say a lot. I'll say a ton of nuances that right. were lost so in the movie. Tons. I think, I think the best way to explain this is to answer some questions. Did did we did, get? Did they meet Dustfinger in that way? No, we were supposed to meet him in the rain. But did it? You know, they we met get him we get him in the rain later, later when he's when coming back to get them from kind Eleanor's of for revenge, house, right? But how we meet Dustfinger in the book is so perfect to so his perfect, character. But very different. He's standing um, out in the rain outside the house, and that was like one of the first scenes in the book where yes. we're first introduced to Maggie too. And the first time we see Maggie is in this vulnerable position where it's this man standing outside of my house. Now he's talking to my dad about this serious right. thing, and I don't know. But and, but if you look at it all, like on its face, the the we don't get the love triangle at all. That's completely yeah, you gone don't get and the love written triangle out between Dustfinger um, and Mo's wife. There was a love triangle in the book, and that but they further find... complicates things in the book. We don't get the complexities to the character, the sidekick. What's the what's the henchman's name again? Basta. We don't get his. Right. He's a very complex character. Let me tell you. Right. You just don't get it. There's only so much to do in two hours, but. I just don't get why they chose to do it the way they did. Like, 
Eleanor's house burned, yes, but not in the same way. They get captured and brought back to Capricorn, yes, but it, it, there's one or two other nuances in there. Um, well, in the in the book, the first time around, they're not all taken. It's just right. her dad that's taken, and Eleanor so, and Maggie. Maggie are left behind. And then Dustfinger, who was with them, leaves and follows them and then comes back. And then right. they all end up trying to get him right. and then and then it's just, it's just and a then mess it, it, it's it's when they're all in prison together after finding mo that mo tells finally tells them in the right. book what happens right. it's like a lot leading up to but it every major plot point is represented in the movie and every major plot point happened it's just not in the same way we just don't get there in the same way it's there just are so many like it's like it's somewhat like, major but not completely major plot points so that were created yeah. in the new movie that didn't have to happen right like all like the creatures i thought that was a neat addition but it didn't need to be there right. um but how else are you going to showcase this is film so how are you going to showcase these creatures Right. You know, how are you going to showcase um, this talent, this power? But, like, they keep highlighting the Wizard of Oz, right. which they highlighted it. The Wizard it, of Oz was They never highlighted it first when they're trying to make Dustfinger's character a little soft on Meggie because they're right. trying to hint to you that he's not all that bad of a person, but really he's probably soft on Meggie because he knows about Risa and we don't mm-hmm. know that yet. Right. But they he gives the Wizard of Oz to her then, and then they and use they, the Wizard of Oz to create the tornado, which is not how they... The that, that doesn't But happen. then they, they use the Wizard of Oz. They get a lot out of the Wizard of Oz. And I don't know they, why the Wizard of Oz. Because it in was the Peter book, Pan in the book. In the they book, use the, Tinkerbell from Peter Pan, and they, they, they use the little tin soldier. We don't get that aspect but, of it. But again, in the movie, they use Toto, and in the book, it was right. actually a uh, street cat, and they mentioned... There are a lot of street cats in Finoglio's town. It's well, like Finoglio didn't have to give her the paper on stage; that she already had it in the cell, tucked up her sleeve. You don't get that in the book. See, it's right. the same way. You get there in the end, but it's not. But the it's same all thing. different means, and it's all. Right. So, needless to say, if you were expecting the Lord of the Rings or the Harry Potter treatment from Inkheart, I'm sorry to disappoint you. You're not going to get it. You're not going to get it because it is not. Ex- explicitly true to the source material they change so many plots subplots and and paths that to me it's not worth it anymore why make the movie if you're not going to be truer to the source material they could have done so much more that scene at the beginning was unnecessary um, why yeah. tell us at the very beginning of these people with these powers you could highlight that in the movie you could cause some suspense and some interest and intrigue and just like they did in the book, and yet they chose to tell you right at the front. Right at the front. Not let you decide for yourself or learn for yourself. I just don't get it. It it just I don't know, it just falls flat. You 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 leave it wanting more and you, you walk away going, Well, I guess we got there. I guess I guess I guess. That's all I kept saying was I guess. Yeah. And I think that, you know, fans we're happy to have a movie, but we're disappointed too. Also, mm-hmm. shout out to my friend Nina, who tried introducing these books to me in middle school, and I didn't listen at the time. But shout out to her. She was right the whole time. Um, they're great. And I, I think that fans were glad to have the movie kind of to have points of references to and right. art and just different 
things yeah. to do with that. But yeah, I, I think that we can all agree it wasn't as good as the book. We can all we agree can about all that. agree. I think we should all be able to agree. The book is always better. I just don't know. I don't know many, if any, movies where the movie was better than the book. Maybe Stephen King novels. Stephen King has problems writing his endings. He's said that before in interviews, and he said that he likes some of the movie endings better than the ones in his books. But I, I just, I don't know, man. I don't know. So, do you have anything else to say about this film? We've kind of highlighted how kind of messy it is. I don't think is. so. I'd like to see, I'd like to hear from you now about how it did um, in the box office and stuff. Oh, yeah. So, let's move on to the grading before we get to the box office and, and talk about whether or not it's as good as the B movie was. Let's talk oh, about the man. grading. So, we're both going to give this a grade. And here at the B movie podcast, we have a grading scale. It's all Bs. But you have a B plus, which means that this thing was was so bad, so odd, so weird that it was good. Like, it overcomes all odds and is somehow really enjoyable, and you want to watch it and tell your friends. A B, which means, eh, I watched this. I probably won't watch it again, but I've seen it once, and that's enough for me. Or a B- minus, or a BM, which means this thing is so bad, I had to stop myself from gouging my eyes out with a dull spoon. So on that B plus B or B minus grading scale, Caitlin, uh, where would you put Inkheart? So I'm going to give it just a plain out, just B, because Mm -hmm. it wasn't the worst thing I've ever seen. I don't think I'm quite to the level of wanting to get that spoon, but I did have a difficult time watching the end. I think I just was really disappointed. I think that, you know, for much of the movie, I was thinking this is a little bit too different than the book just a little bit too different than the book it just needs to be a little more similar and i'd be okay and i i kept holding out for some reason i kept holding out that it would get better and it just the last literally the last 10 minutes of the movie was like okay i know that you had hope that this would get better but i'm gonna make it a million million times worse and the ending was just not it not it sis it's just not for me it's just mess so i too gave it a b and here's here's the reason why. It is not the greatest film adaptation ever. Okay, it's just not. And it won't be. But it wasn't the worst thing. It wasn't critically reviled and hated by all human beings. It wasn't so bad that the creator of the original story decided that he would ignore the fact that a film was made for the rest of his life. What are we talking about? I'm here? looking at you, Aragon. <laughs> okay. We're going to come back to that. But, but I don't want to spoil anything. But... You know, this wasn't awful. It wasn't great. But I tell you what, if you're a person who, one, hasn't read the book and would just like to watch an interesting story and you love literature, if you love literature and want to watch a star-studded cast in a story about books coming to life, like literally bringing books to life, then this is a great movie for you. Okay, you'll probably enjoy it. If you spent $3 renting it on Amazon, you'd probably get get an enjoyable evening out of your $3. But I'm not going to watch it again. There's no reason for me to watch it again. If you, know, you read unless the book I read and, it again. If you read the book and you're curious, or if you read the book and you want those characters to kind of come alive right, to you a little right. bit more, it might be worth it. If you want to see Brendan Fraser in the role that he was made for, apparently, apparently yeah. then watch this movie. So it gets a B from me, which I don't think is pretty surprising to anybody. So let's answer this question that nobody asked. 
Is this better or worse than the B-movie? So we like to look at a few factors here on the B-movie podcast. The first of which is the budget, okay, and the box office. So here we go. Here we go. For the B-movie, do you happen to remember... How much the budget was for the B movie, Caitlin? Hundred and fifty million. Hundred and fifty million dollars. It's an animated film with a really big cast. Well, it had a box office of two hundred eighty-seven point six million, which is ninety-one point seventy-three percent profit. Mm-hmm. It made all of the money back of the hundred and fifty million, and almost made a hundred percent profit. Now, Inkheart had a budget of sixty million. And in the box so not, office, not as much. yeah, not as much to, to have a budget with. But how do you think it did in the box office? I don't think it made that much, if anything. So you think it might have been a shortfall of its budget? Like it didn't make the full budget I back? feel like it might have had initial support, so I don't know. Well, And well, like also, I don't know what how many fans that this... This to. name had, you know, this wasn't Harry Potter. Yeah, I don't think it was enough, to be honest with you. Because, you don't think so? No, because the box office only raked in $62,450,361. Oh. So it didn't make like... It made 4.08% profit. Okay. So already... Well, that's not nothing. It's not it's below, not nothing. I guess. It's not nothing. It <laughs> but made it its money me. back, but it, no one got rich off this movie. Yeah. You know, no one no one was making uh intellectual property rights for years and years and years. So that's the that's the box office. Well then let's look at Rotten Tomatoes score. So as you all very well may know, the B movie has a perfect fifty percent rotten tomatoes score, which means it could go either way. And it has a fifty three percent audience score. Mm-hmm. However, what did Rotten Tomatoes get? As a critic's rating on their tomato meter, Caitlin. Do you want me to an- you want me to guess or do you want me to answer? Uh, guess. Give me a guess. Because I don't know what I have to look. Um, I want to say it was probably bad, like twenty five percent or something. You think it was? You think it was that low? I just feel like I went into this. I thinking, don't think I'd rate it that bad. I thought the acting was good. Yeah. Do you think that critics rate things that badly for just story alone? Because the story was that messy, even I think without reading the book. Yeah, it you was know, messy. I just think it and could a lot have been. Of, a lot of critics said that. I thought it would be higher than what it is, truthfully. Really? Yeah, that's but, what I'm saying. Like, I think it deserves higher than what I'm saying, but I'm trying to guess low. Yeah, think... but it got a 39% critics Okay, rating. so not as low as what I said. Not as low as what you said, but still not great. It was under 50%. I thought I'd at least see it in the 40s. But for the audience score, it got a 45%. So very clearly, you know, from the data, look, this is a B it didn't do as good in the box office, and it obviously didn't do as well with people. So I'm going to say it's not better than the B movie. I don't I'm gonna, think I'm going to agree with the critics on this one. Yeah, I think that if it had better writing, see the the acting, and we cannot argue with who they chose to cast. No, like, I can't argue with again, the casting. The casting was great. They all did phenomenal in the roles they were given. But the writing the, could have been better. But the, I yeah, think the editing, the, the way they decided to tell the story. I don't know who was in charge of the editing process. I'm or, sure or that the making of this the movie final cut. was so much fun. I would have loved oh, them sure. been behind those scenes. Yes. And I'm sure that to them, like this was such an honor to make this thing come to life. But... Us on the receiving end, especially, like I said, just those last 10, leaves, 20 leaves you minutes. Wanting. It was like just confusing yeah. and kind of sad. Yeah. But out of the whole experience, read a great book. Right. And I think you guys should too. 
if you haven't already. Right. So, well, Caitlin, thank you so much for being on this episode. Thank you for having me. I'm so glad to be back in action. And if you have questions about Inkheart or want to discuss it or have suggestions for a movie you'd like to see on the B-Movie Podcast, you can reach out to us on Facebook at the B-Movie Podcast, Instagram at the B-Movie Podcast, on Twitter at the B-Movie Pod, or you can even write us into the show on our email um, which is the B movie podcast. That's the letter B at gmail.com. Yeah. Let us know what you thought about this one. I'm curious yeah, to see if, if any of you had similar thoughts or yes. if there were other things that you found more disappointing. I really want to talk to people about this. Right. I want to hear what your guys' thoughts yes, are. Yes. Please reach out. We'd love to hear for you. But uh, until next time, thanks for listening. We'll see you later. Bye bye. <laughs>